And Employment Law Show, welcome to it. The number one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out anytime. And uh, we'll get to the uh, pocket employment lawyer as well in just a bit. More details on that. So a lot of stuff to discuss, including the aging workforce. We'll get to that as well in some of your emails a little later on in the uh, show. Brother, welcome back and good to have you here once again uh, doing our thing. Week that was, what do you got going on? Yeah, it's uh, it's great to be back. Uh, it's been quite a busy week, busy month, busy year it sounds. It seems like uh, yeah. just a lot of people that I'm speaking with all the time. But workplace rights and people, they hear this show and when they hear this show, something kind of gets uh, triggered in them. They realize, wait a second, there's something that I can do about my own situation. They call me, they email me. That's fabulous. That's terrific. That's what you exactly need to do. If you have a workplace problem, if something's happening at your work or you want to know what to do when your boss did something, don't hesitate. Call, email. We'll give you that contact information throughout the show. This is, uh, this is what we do on this show every time. But the week there was, John, a couple situations that came across my desk just over the past few days. Uh, first issue, uh, situation I'll talk to you about, I spoke with a lady that had been off on a medical leave for uh, six months. And her uh, employer uh, kept asking for information, how long is she going to be off, uh, you know, when is she coming back. And all she knew is that she needs to be off. And right. she, she, she didn't have a, uh, a date. There was a, a mental health issue. And those things can be very difficult to, to kind of pin down in terms of when they get better. Well, after six months, she was ready to come back to work. And this employer that was trying to figure out when she's going to be back uh, at work, all of a sudden, said, no, uh, we can't have you back at work unless you can prove to us that uh, that you're able to work. We need you to do uh, some sort of a test, actually right. to write some sort of a, of, of a test to make sure that you're thinking clearly, that you're able to, to correspond uh, correctly and, and appropriately. And unless you do that, we're not going to take you back to work. Now, keep in mind, this is not some sort of a NASA scientist <laughs> or a heart surgeon. Uh, this is someone with an administrative position, you know, no people will die if the job right. is not done at 100%. Uh, and uh, she, she really was uncomfortable taking these, these types of tests. She didn't even know what's involved. And she contacted me. And I can tell you, John, this is probably the first time I'd heard of this exact situation. And, but the legal principle is simple. If you've been cleared to come back to work, mm-hmm. your employer can't put additional obstacles in your way. Your employer can't make it conditional on you doing something else. If you're clear to return to work, unless they have very good reason to think that you cannot do your job, which they didn't, no. then they have to take you back. They cannot do anything, and they certainly can't make you write tests. That's silly. That's ridiculous. So, uh, and, and what does that mean from a legal standpoint? Well, number one, it's a human rights violation because they're, they're mistreating her. They, they're putting obstacles in her way because of her medical condition. But by not taking her back to work, by putting these obstacles in her way, it's also a constructive dismissal. So even though the company is not terminating her, she now can treat her employment as being terminated and leave with her severance. And I wanted to remind everyone, we talked about this before on the show, but it's so, so important. Number one, you can be off as long as you need to, as long as the doctor backs you up and, and the company can't impose uh, on you or ask you for inappropriate information or, or bug you to come back before you're ready. But when you are ready to come back to work, once you're cleared, that's it. The company doesn't get to decide, not agree, ask for another opinion, have you write a test. They have to take you back. And if they don't, as in this situation, it's a termination. It's a human rights violation. If your employer won't cooperate, won't help you, won't take you back to work, won't accommodate anything at all, 
to do with a medical condition, you got to reach out to me as soon as possible. It's the same old. The trump card is in the hands of your medical team, right? They say how long you could stay off and when you should go back. Absolutely. That, that's oh. it. it. It's that simple. Your family doctor, your specialist, walk-in doctor if that's our clinic, if that's all you have. If you have something from a doctor telling you that you can't work or telling you that now you're ready to come back right. to work, that is all that's needed. Anything more than that is inappropriate for the employer to ask. one 821 5900 the number help at employmentlawyer.ca. What else we got going on? So uh, we've talked before on the show about the importance of employment agreements and specifically about the fact that an employment agreement can significantly limit the terms, uh, or limit your termination mm-hmm. entitlements. So an employment agreement could actually, that you signed, can actually at some point cost you tens of thousands of dollars because it limits your future severance. Well, I have an example where a company uh, tried to do just that. Fortunately, we were able to get around it. So I spoke with a gentleman who uh, was initially hired as a controller with a company, a senior position, and he signed an agreement that limited his termination entitlements. Well, fast forward six years later when his employment is terminated, he's now the CFO of the company. And when he became a CFO, he did not sign a new agreement. It was still that old, old agreement from the, from the first uh, first job that he had. So when he's let go, company says, hey, you have an agreement, yeah. so we only have to give you 10 weeks pay. Uh, goodbye, so long, farewell. Except because that agreement was no longer enforced, his job changed. He was no longer the controller. He's now a CFO. In fact, that agreement doesn't apply anymore. And now he's owed probably nine, 10 months of severance, not the 10 weeks uh, that they offered him. So, John, very important to remember. First of all, you got to pay close attention to employment agreements. It can limit your entitlements. You can negotiate those terms. But just because you signed an employment agreement, it does not mean that it's still in force. It may not be in force. It may not limit your entitlements. So important. Reason 2,454 Hmm. as to why you should be getting legal advice if you lose your job. That agreement may not limit your entitlements. You may be owed more. In this situation, it was the difference between 10 weeks, John, and nine months pay. Huge. This employer assumed, like I guess so many would, that that contract or that employment agreement, it, it's bound by the time you're under the roof of that employee. doesn't matter your job. As long as you're working for us, that sucker's binding. Exactly. Wrong. That's what they assumed. And, oh. and I can see why they would assume mm-hmm. that. But no, if you sign an agreement for a specific position, it's only for that position. If you not take on a different position, as long as it's significantly different, that agreement no longer applies. And that's a good thing. Remember, for an employee, you are better off not having an employment agreement. You don't want that. You want a verbal agreement. You want a handshake. You want something written on the back of a napkin, as silly as that sounds. You don't want that agreement. It's the employer that wants it. So if it's no longer enforceable, that's good for the employee. Quick break. Get into the uh, topic of the aging workforce, one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's, uh, that's how we roll. It's the Employment Law Show right here, Global News Radio. Employment Law Show continues to reach out, one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Let's talk about, uh, you know, the aging workforce. It, it's well documented, uh, Lior, that, uh, you know, the aging workforce, in fact, there's more people now in their 60s in the workforce than there has been ever before. Let's talk about the rights and obligations by both employees in that situation and employers when it comes to dealing with older employees, right? Yeah, it, it is a, a real big issue. Uh, and we have an aging population, aging workforce. More people than ever are working in there's 50s, 60s, 70s, even beyond. I've had people that have uh, been retained me that were in their late 70s, early 80s. And, and you know, it's be great if we all could work at 100% capacity until 80 years old. 
many cases that's not the case. You're gonna have some issues. You're gonna have some problems doing your uh, your job, and and it's important that we understand what happens in those situations. You have a, a good employee that just can't do the job that you, the way they used to. What does the employer do? What does the employee do? That's what we want to talk about over the next few minutes. So, having said that, what is the basic legal framework in that regard? So, remember, age is one of the areas where an employer cannot discriminate against when it comes to age. So. Bottom line is you cannot, as an employer, decide you don't like the employee because of their age. And that also means something else. It means if the employee cannot do a job that they they wanted to do or they used to do, or at least not in the same way, you Mm -hmm. have to provide some accommodation. Maybe that means finding another job. Maybe that means something else. But there's a duty to accommodate. And, and bottom line is you can't penalize someone for, for because of their age, even if there's a medical issue or a limitation arising out of their age. So the law protects your ability to work as long as you want. We don't have mandatory retirement in this province uh, anymore. You can work as long as you want. And anything an employer does to, to stop that from happening, to make it more difficult, to penalize you, and to try to kind of show you the door, that is illegal, and the law does not uh, take favorably to that. You know, you kind of touched on it there, and I was just thinking, you know, if you get an employer who's got an employee who's who's aging, and it's, say, a physical job, he's a forklift operator or something like that, he's starting to get a little a little slow, a little less productive. What else can he do? Well, obviously, you, you want to understand, first of all, if you're the employer, is this uh, a medical or age-related issue, or is it just a, a performance issue? Maybe someone is not working as hard. You know, you should ask the question. It's okay to ask the question, what's going on? I've noticed you're not uh, keeping up. Uh, what's happening? Uh, and, and if it is, turns out that, that it's, a, it's an age or health-related issue, mm-hmm. Well, now you got to be careful. Now you can't just impose discipline. Usually, if it was a performance issue, you can impose discipline. But if it's an age thing, you now have to think in terms of accommodation. The job has to be done, and I get that. So right. you, don't, you shouldn't have to tolerate someone that doesn't do a good job. But that, that means, is there a different position you, have to, you can put them in? Can you provide them assistance to do the job? Someone to help with the more physical aspects of the job. Uh, you know, maybe it's the, the, the type of shift that they're working that makes it more difficult. And it should be a conversation between employee and employer in terms of how do we improve this? How do we make this happen? But what I want employers to, to move away from is to think, well, you can't do the job the way I want it. You used to, but now you can't, so you're gone. You're out of here. That is unacceptable. Have that conversation about accommodation. Often the employee is going to know best what they need, what kind of accommodation they need. And if you have that conversation and you can reach that accommodation, that is what you need, that's what, uh, what you need to do. Yeah, that's where I was going next. So what if it's on the onus of the employee before they get the knock on the door from their employer? They're going, you know what, I'm starting to struggle with this job. I, I, don't, I don't like what's going on here. Employees should definitely be honest with themselves and obviously with their uh, employer as well. If you know, if you're the employee and you know you can't do the job the way you used to, you're struggling, uh, there's health-related issues. You need to be honest with your employer and tell them that, okay? You, you shouldn't assume that no one's going to notice because an employer is going to notice. But make it clear that it's not something that, that you're not working hard, you're not trying, you're not doing your best. There's issues related to your age or your health, maybe both, that, that are preventing you. And I, the other thing I would do is I would talk to my doctor. Mm. Say, what can I do? To, to do my job? What kind of assistance can my employer provide me so I can be productive? Oftentimes, your doctor will have the best advice and the best ideas. You know, maybe it's one of those situations where you need to work less hours. You're going to be physically fine for six hours. Just doing nine hours is a bit much. 
So, so have that conversation with the doctor and be honest with the employer. And again, engage that employer in a discussion about accommodation. A good employer, an employer that complies with the law, is not going to penalize you. A good employer, employer is going to work with you to accommodate, to make it possible for you to continue working and continue being productive. And like you said, it's always good to have medical backup there too, right? You have to. You really yeah. do. Uh, it, it is okay for an employer to say, well, I... You're telling me that there's a medical issue, but I need something from a doctor. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, an employer can assume, hey, you're just not working hard enough. You're slacking off. So if there is a medical issue, if there's something else that's preventing you, that's beyond your control, that prevents you from doing your job, you need to tell that to your employer. You need to give them the medical backup. If you do that, now the duty comes, comes on the employer to accommodate, to figure out a way to make this all work. Dealing with the aging workforce, and the workforce is indeed aging. That's why uh, we're talking about it. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to reach out. Uh, you mentioned accommodation. I guess it would depend on the type of uh, job this this person has. But how far does it have to go when it comes to an employer? So th- there's no finite list of the types of things that an employer must do to accommodate. The common things could be modified duties. You know, maybe less strenuous, less onerous duties or modified hours. As I said, some people may not be able to work the long shift. A couple anymore. more breaks a shift or whatever. More breaks or, or even changing the shifts. You know, some people may do better in, in the morning shift versus the night shift. So there's, there's that. There's obviously the ability to work sometimes from home. Uh, depending on the job, you're not going to be able to drive a forklift at home, but some other job, more administrative positions, yes, may be able to be accommodated by working from home. But it's not necessarily up to the employer to decide I decided here's what you need to accommodate. Right. That information has to come from a doctor, from the employee and the employee's doctor. Now, at some point, it can become too difficult, too onerous, too expensive on the employer to accommodate. That is a very high standard to meet. It's not enough to show that it's difficult. It needs to be really difficult before mm-hmm. the employer can say, no, no, I don't have to go that far. John, in my experience, in most cases where an employer doesn't want to accommodate, they haven't gone far enough to try to accommodate. We'll take a short break, uh, continue our discussion of the aging workforce. If you want to uh, write this number down, if you're young enough to remember, uh, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Lots more on the Employment Law Show is on the way. Global News Radio. Back to the Employment Law Show. 1-855-821-5900 is the number. Help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out anytime. We're talking about the aging workforce. So uh, right back at it. Can an older employee be... I guess, disciplined or even worse, can they be terminated for, you know, not keeping up anymore? No, they really, really can't uh, if it's uh, as a re- if their inability to keep up as a result of either health condition, their age, or, or, or some, something related to that. Now, an employer can't play dumb and, and play ignorant and say, well, I didn't know what the reason was. Right. I thought you were just not working hard, so I let you go. Because if it turns out later that the reason the person wasn't doing a job is because they had, a let's say, a medical issue, it's still going to be the employer that may not have had this information that's going to be on the hook for a wrongful dismissal damages. Right. So bottom line is you got to be reasonable. If you think they may, if you have a 75-year-old and they're not keeping up, it's likely something to do with their age. Not necessarily, but likely. So you can't, you can't play ignorant. You can't just pretend you didn't know, you didn't, uh, you didn't realize. Ask the question. It's okay to ask the question, you know, why aren't you keeping up? What can I do to help you keep up? Is there something that I need to know? Uh, if you don't, if you take the easy way, you're not keeping up, you're, you're out of here. No, no, no. That's going to be a human rights violation, as I said, wrongful dismissal. So be, be reasonable. You probably are not going to be as concerned if you have a 30-year employee that can't, uh, you know, if he's 30 years old and he can't keep up, you won't automatically think of a medical issue. 
But if you have a 65 or 7 year old employee, more likely that you have to start thinking about those issues. So please don't, if you're the employer, don't jump straight to discipline. Find out what's going on. If it is a situation where the employee is just not working hard enough, uh, they're, they're not trying, they're not uh, uh, doing the job the way that they're supposed to, then yes, you can discipline, potentially even build the case for termination. But that should not be the default. Can the employer be really careful about this, but can they say, you know, you notice, you know, you're not keeping up. We'd like to accommodate and help you out. But have you ever thought about, you know, maybe it's time? Well, you know, it is something that that's difficult to do. Well, it's not, it, you got to be sensitive about right, it. The way I right. would uh, position it is, first of all, it has to be in writing because you, you want to avoid a situation mm-hmm. where the employee can say, no, you, you told me I have to leave. I would position the employee, here's what we're going to do to accommodate you. Here's what we're going to do to make sure you can do the job. So that's option one. Option number two, and only if you want it, we're also willing to give you a, say a separation, separation package if you want to retire. So as long as you do it that way, so the employee is not being pushed out, they're provided with an option. The other option is to continue working. That's okay. And there may be employees that would decide to take the retirement option. Maybe they're just waiting for it. Maybe they're right? waiting for it. Yeah. And, and that's okay. But what you shouldn't do, and I've seen uh, employers do this, is go to the employee, hey, employee, you really should think about uh, retiring or you really should consider about uh, packing it in. No, no. If if that's the case, if your employer is hinting and struggling, suggesting that you're not welcome there, you should be gone, that in itself could be a human rights violation. That in itself can be a constructive dismissal. So be smart about it. If you're going to suggest someone that they want to consider retirement, make sure that they know that the other option is you're going to work with them, you're going to accommodate them, you're going to allow them to continue working. Is it, in your experience, is there any telltale signs employers sometimes get that possibly there's going to be someone in the workforce that needs accommodation? I mean, maybe they hear it through the grapevine that the guy's not doing well or he feels bad or he's in pain. Yeah, you, you, you probably will see employees missing more work than they used right. to or, 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 you know, taking off early or coming in late because of doctor appointments. Uh, you will see employees that otherwise have had good performance. All of a sudden, their performance drop. Remember, someone doesn't become a bad employee overnight. Someone doesn't become a bad employee just like that. There's got to be a reason if they were otherwise good employees. So if you see those signs, you know, the the... the more days being missed, more sick days, more doctor's appointments, performance dropping for no reason. There's a Throwing reason back that. Advil like Tic Tacs. You know, you never know. <laughs> that, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, and you know what? In my experience, most of the time the employer knows or really yep. should know what's going on. So again, playing ignorant, saying, I didn't know. I thought you were a lazy guy. That doesn't work. If they have no choice but to terminate an older employee, what kind of a prospect of severance you're looking at well let's assume that you you have to let someone go for a legitimate reason not because of their age not because of their medical condition maybe that like i said the department shut down so everyone's going to be let go fine that is allowed of course you can let someone go for legitimate reasons even if they're older even if uh, uh if they have a medical condition but keep in mind age number one is a factor in determining severance so older employees generally get more severance than someone that's Mm -hmm. younger if you have a five-year employee that's 65 years old versus a five-year employee that's 35 years old, the 65-year-old is going to get more severance every time. So that's number one. you got to remember that you're going to have to pay more severance. Right. But if the employee even has a medical condition, if they're not at optimal health, that could mean even more severance, okay? Because if the employee, if the employee can't work or it's going to take them longer to find another job because they're not at full health, that may actually be right. something that impacts severance. Employability impacts severance, age impacts severance. So generally, if you're letting go of an uh, older employee, that means you have to pay them more money, more severance. If an employee feels that they were let go because of their age, first steps. 
Well, obviously, uh, you, you, you want to be as, as sure as you can about it. You want to maybe even have a discussion with your employer about uh, what happened there, why you lost your job, if there's something that can be done about it. But if the, the inevitable conclusion is, yes, I was let go because of my age or because I had a medical condition, well, first thing you do is you, you got to reach out. Okay, Let, let's talk about that. You may be owed human rights damages uh, mm-hmm. beyond just the usual severance that we always talk about. So what I don't want you to do, even more important, do not sign off on that severance letter. We say that to everyone. It doesn't yeah. matter, young or old. But if you are in a situation where you think that you were let go for an uh, improper reason, medical, age, or other, other discriminatory reasons, you know, your, your ethnicity, uh, anything like that, that is even more important than ever to get some advice. Let's talk about it. Call me, and uh, I'll be able to help you make sure, number one, that, that your rights are protected. Number two, you get everything you wrote. I remember it might have been a few months, maybe almost a year ago, we had a call, and I think it was an older employee, and it just it was, it was kind of two things happened at once. They were getting older, and the department was shutting down and moving way, way across town or to you know, a, a distance, and he didn't feel at his age he could make the trip. But it wasn't just him being singled out. They're moving the whole department. Where, how does that figure out? Yeah, it, it's absolutely, absolutely right. If they're moving the, the entire department, right. then it's not, they're not picking on him because of his age. Uh, so it's not a human rights issue, but it's more likely to be a constructive dismissal. Right. Whereas for most people, maybe if I have to drive an extra hour, maybe it's not a big deal. But for him with his age and, and you know, other limitations that he may, ha- may have, if for him it is a big deal, that it's much more likely to be a constructive dismissal. Right. Your personal circumstances can actually put you in a constructive dismissal situation. You want to reach out? We'll take a short break here. one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll get into the pocket employment lawyer after a short break right here on the Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. Back at it, the Employment Law Show to reach Lior and the team. No problem. one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. This is awesome. We love this. Pocket Employment Lawyer does all kinds of things. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. As the name suggests, you can have your legal advice. You can have your case analyzed anytime you have, anywhere you have a phone, anywhere you, you have your laptop available, your desktop, your tablet. Uh, and your tablet may not fit in your in your pocket, but you get the idea. Yeah. Uh, bottom line is, we created this tool to allow anyone to to be able to provide to get legal information about their specific situation, whether they they're wondering whether they're an employee or an independent contractor, whether they've been constructively dismissed, whether they've been terminated for cause, whether there's a human rights issue, and more. So literally, I try to take the the things that I get asked about the most, that the topics that I have to cover most in my practice, and try to create this program that allows anyone to go through that analysis and find out themselves. Do I have rights? Do I have entitlements? We started this six years ago with the severance pay calculator that allowed everyone to find out how much severance they're owed. But I wanted to expand that. I wanted to provide more information than just how much severance am I owed. So go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. You can check it out right now. And if you have a workplace problem, chances are you can go and use that tool to find out whether or not there's legal recourse. It's anonymous. It's free. It's easy to use. It takes very, very, very little time. Anyone can use it, even if you're just kind of curious about your situation, something that happened years ago, no reason you shouldn't check it out. And tell others about it. If they have a workplace problem, Mm -hmm. pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Like this part of the show we decided to do for the uh, remaining segments, uh, maybe some emails as well. Employment law, true or false? I'm going to throw these at you, and I know you're going to tell us which one it is, right? We should have done it the other way. I yeah. should throw those at you, and you <laughs> said true no, or false. No, we did that before. It didn't turn out didn't, so no, well. No, it was pretty ugly. Yeah. You know what? No, it wasn't. I think I did okay last time. No, you time. didn't. No? no okay. No, not no, even on the didn't. TV no, show, huh? No, okay. I'm not hiring. You're fine. <laughs> 
First one, uh, I don't need a lawyer to help me get my full severance. I'll just call the old, uh-oh, Ministry of Labor. You know, John, I, I people just heard you say that. Say, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. Yep. There's a Ministry of Labor. We have the Labor Board. Why wouldn't I call them if I've been let go and I don't think that's right? Well, it, and it makes sense. I, I think if I was an employment lawyer, that's probably what I would do. I would call the Labor Board and I would get that information. Except now that you're listening, and hopefully our regular listeners know, you cannot do that. Not when it comes to termination of employment. The Ministry of Labor, people call it the Labor Board, it's not, but it doesn't matter. The Ministry of Labor cannot help you if you lost your job. Why? Because the Ministry of Labor can only advise you about your minimum entitlements. Those are a small portion of what you're actually owed. You could be owed 5, 10, 20 times that. They can't advise you on that. It's misleading. You may have a job, John. You may have worked for four years at a company and uh, uh, you call the Ministry of Labor and you ask them, I was let go, what am I owed? They'll tell you four weeks pay. They will tell you four weeks pay. Don't believe me, call them right now. In reality, you could be owed six months pay, eight months pay, nine months pay. Uh, Think about that difference. It's huge. It's massive. So no, that statement about calling the Ministry of Labor, that is false. You cannot do that. You have to call an employment lawyer. You don't like me, that's fine. Call someone else. Go to severancepaycalculator.com. If you want, go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's so many places you can go to. What you cannot do ever, ever, ever if you lost your job, go to the Ministry of Labor. You can for overtime, unpaid wages, stuff like that. It's okay, right? Absolutely, yes. Overtime, unpaid wages, vacation pay, holiday pay, absolutely pretty much anything other than issues arising out of termination of employment. You cannot do that. Employment law, true or false, my employer can fire me for uh, for cost-cutting because they want to hire somebody new um, because I was late for work or because I wore the, the wrong color socks to the office, right? That's right. And, and that is absolutely true. That, that is a true statement. And a lot of people struggle with that concept. Why should the employer let me go if I did nothing wrong? Why should they be able to let me go if there really is no reason? But the reality is that's how our laws are structured. An employer can let you go at any time for any reason, silly reason, uh, unjustified reason. They can do that as long as they pay you proper severance. Uh, John, can't tell you how many times I'm speaking, uh, sitting across the table from someone that's been let go, and they, they're, they're telling me about all the reasons why the employer was not justified to let them go, why, why it was completely arbitrary and unfair. Mm-hmm. And I agree with them, but I have to tell them, unfortunately, legally speaking, they're allowed to do it. It's a question of severance. Yep. The exception, of course, is you cannot be let go for a discriminatory reason. We talked before about age. can be because of your age, your medical condition, your ethnicity, uh, your, your, your race, your sexual orientation. That is illegal. Short of that, you can be let go for any reason. So, yes, that statement, John, that's true. Employment law, true or false, a couple more of these in before we break. My employer can change my level of pay and workload whenever they want. They are the boss, after all. And a lot of employers are going to say, yes, damn right, that, damn right we can do that. <laughs> uh, but no, unfortunately for an employer, and fortunately for the employee, that cannot be. Why? Because you have terms of employment. You accepted a job with a specific salary, a specific, a specific responsibilities, a specific location. Those cannot be changed. If the employer changes it, it gives the employee the right to treat that as a termination. We call that a constructive dismissal. So even though the employer is the boss and it's their job and their workplace, they cannot unilaterally change the terms of employment. If they do, you can accept that change or you can treat that as a constructive dismissal. So, John, that statement, that statement is false. What if they come at you nice and gentle saying, you know, we love you, want to stick around, but we're having tough times. We want to cut you back a buck or a couple bucks an hour. And you say yes. Well, if you say yes, just say fine. Yeah, no, I'll do it. You suck it up for the team. I'll be a good team player. I'll be the good soldier. You give them the right to do it again. 
And that's the big problem. So that that one or two dollar uh, an hour pay cut that you took next month, next year could be much more than that. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be the good soldier, make sure you say to the, your employer and put this in writing that just so you know, by agreeing to this, I am not accepting any other changes. Okay, you can set that up properly. But you saying a blanket yes without anything accompanying that, you give the company the right to do it again. Please don't do that. In the case of pay, if you do agree to a say a buck or two bucks. You know, pay reduction, say, I don't know, two years, six months down the road, they let you go. What's your severance going to be based on? <laughs> yeah, well, then you, you, you're right. uh, losing on that end as well because now your severance is calculated based on that lower salary. Weak. So maybe you were making $50,000, now you're making $40,000. Your severance is going to be calculated based on the $40,000 a year. So not only were you making less money, you're losing out on your severance as well. So before you agree to any changes to your pay, you really have to think hard about it. It may be best to say no, and if the employer does it anyway, to treat that as a constructive dismissal. Employment law, true or false, lots more of these to go, so stick around. one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. It's the Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. Employment Law Show, you'll want to reach out to Lior and the team, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. We're going through the employment law, true or false. Next one up is this. They are completely different severance rules for federally regulated employees. We get calls on this all the time. We do, and I get emails and calls in my office all the time as well. So, no, there are no different rules for federally regulated and provincially regulated employees. So that statement is false. Now... It's false with a caveat in the sense that when it comes to a person's minimum entitlements, those might be different. Well, they are different if you're uh, federally regulated Mm -hmm. or provincially regulated, but forget about that. It doesn't matter. Your full entitlements, we call them your common law entitlements, they're the same. Age, position, and length of employment are the main factors that go into assessing entitlement. So whether you are federally regulated or provincially regulated, you're going to get the same severance. So those people working for the railway, the bank, telecommunications company, etc., cetera, uh, those folks will get the same severance. And if your employer tells you, oh, no, no, you're federally regulated, we're going to only give you two weeks pay, uh-uh. You know now that's wrong. You know now that's a wrongful dismissal. You can go to severancepaycalculator.com as well. You can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well to find out your entitlements. They're going to be the same, provincial or federal. Employment law, true or false, your employer has a employer rather has legal cause to fire you if your insurance provider cuts you off LTD while you're on disability leave. They're, they're crossing two things that don't cross. They, they shouldn't be crossed. So let's no. kind of set this up. You're on a long-term disability. Uh, you can't work. Your insurance company reaches out and says, no, we think you should be able to work, so we're going to cut you off. Around two years. Around usually. two years. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And guess what? The next day, the next week, you get a letter from your employer saying, ah, we understand you're being cut off disability. That means you can come back to work. So you better come back to work. If not, we'll consider you to have resigned. And you think, holy cow, I can't work. Insurance company won't pay me. Employer is now threatening me that I'm going to be considered to have resigned. So let's make it clear, John, that statement that you initially made, that is false. You cannot be fired, be considered to have resigned or anything like that just because you've been cut off disability. Those are separate things. First of all, the insurance company may and often is wrong. Yep. They should not have cut you off if your doctor says you cannot work. Right right there, there's a problem. We can help you resolve that problem. But regardless of that, just because the insurance company cuts you off doesn't mean your employer can expect you back to work. If you have a doctor that says you cannot work and you provide that doctor's note to your employer, that's it, it's over, it's done. You cannot be threatened. You cannot be 
pushed to coming back to work. You cannot be fired because you're not back at work. And you definitely cannot be considered to have resigned. So those are separate things. If your insurance company cuts you off, you got to reach out to me. If your employer threatens for you to come back to work because they don't believe that you're sick, you got to call me as well. Those things are separate. They should not be mixed. Employment law, true or false? So you want to reach out, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Uh, part-time employees have a right to severance when they are fired from their job. That is 100% true. And that's a question that I get very often. I'm part-time. I only work three days a week or whatever, three days a month. Uh, I was let go. The employer says, I don't get severance because I'm a part-timer. Right. No, 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 no. You get the same amount of severance. Remember what I said, age, position, length of employment. Full-time, part-time, doesn't matter. Now, if you don't make a lot of money, your severance in terms of dollars is not going to be as much as well. But you absolutely get severance. So severancepaycalculator.com, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca works just as well. Part-time employees, full-time employees, they all get severance. And I'll I'll go beyond that and say independent contractors Mm. that are misclassified, most of them are. We've talked about this on the show before, also get severance. You may well be an independent contractor or believe that you are. Your job comes to an end, you're let go, and you think, well, I'm not going to get any severance because I'm an independent contractor. Not so fast. You may well be owed severance. It could be as much as two years' pay in some situations. You know what to do. You reach out to me. I'll help you. We'll get to one more of these. Employment law, true or false, is if you are out on a performance improvement plan and your performance doesn't improve, you could be fired for cause. <laughs> no, not at all. And let's set this up. Let's give the employer the benefit of the doubt. Let's give it. Let's put it in the best way possible for the employer. Let's assume the performance improvement plan is legitimate, and let's assume that the employee legitimately doesn't meet it properly and doesn't uh, uh, improve their performance the way they should. Right. Can the employer let them go for cause? Absolutely not. That does not mean that. Now, they can be let go, but they'd have to be paid severance. For you to be let go for cause because of performance reasons, the employer is pretty much going to have to show that you went out of your way to do a bad job, that you're almost trying to do it on purpose. Okay, That is very difficult to establish, very, very difficult. The fact that your performance is lacking does not mean that you can, you can be let go for cause. The fact that you were put on a performance improvement plan does not mean that you can be let go for cause. Now, the employer may try. In many cases, I got I see this every single day where the employer tries or pulls the trigger on that termination for cause before they should. But if you're listening now, you know bad performance does not equal termination for cause. It would have to be really bad. It would have to be extensive. It would almost have to be purposeful for you to be let go for cause for bad performance. I'm going to throw one more out there because I just thought of it while you're talking about the previous point. That is false, true or false, salaried employees don't get overtime. <laughs> good good one. Right? I should have added to the list myself. And, of course, our regular listeners should know that that is absolutely false, absolutely false, because salaried employees get overtime. doesn't matter if you're hourly or salary. If you work more than 44 hours a week, you get paid overtime. We simply look at your weekly salary, whatever your salary is in a week, 500 bucks, 1000 bucks, whatever it is, we divide that weekly salary by 44. That gives us an hourly rate, and time and a half is overtime rate, or Beautiful. anything over 44 hours a week. So salaried, get overtime. Hourly, of course, get overtime. And there's some positions that are exempt from overtime, certain professionals, certain other uh, roles as well. But everyone else gets overtime, John, even if they're salaried. We'll wrap up our last few minutes with some emails. You want to send one along, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the phone number anytime, 1-855-821-5900. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio.
Employment Law Show. You want to reach out through uh, through email. It's help at employmentlawyer.ca. You also have the option of the phone. That is 1-855-821-5900. And don't forget pocketemploymentlawyer.ca uh, is also good to check out any time as well. Jordan, first one up, says, I've been working at my company for 10 years. For the past three years, the company has accommodated my medical condition by allowing me to work an afternoon shift rather than night shift. The company is now demanding that I agree to an independent medical examination to assess my need for accommodation. If I do not agree, I will be placed on an unpaid unpaid suspension. Can they do this? <laughs> no, they can. There's quite a lot to to unwrap there. So this is a uh, probably a classic situation. God knows I've seen it enough times where the employer is accommodating and they're saying, well, you know, it's it's been a while. Do we really have to accommodate? Can we stop accommodating? Can mm-hmm. we stop giving special privileges, if you will, to that employee? So one of the ways they do that is, well, let's get another opinion. Maybe we can find a doctor somewhere that, by the way, we're paying uh, to <laughs> give us an opinion that says, no, no, this person's fine. They don't need accommodation. Well, no, it does not work that way, John. Not at all. Here's why. The doctor goes back to your doctor. Your doctor has that final word. If your doctor is clear about your needs, that's it. They cannot, the employer, ask for another opinion, another medical exam. They can't say, oh, we don't like what your doctor has to say, so we're going to find someone else. As long as your doctor is clear and, and, and is willing to back you up, the employer has to continue accommodating. Now, if, you're, if your doctor doesn't provide information or that information is completely ambiguous and unclear, it may be reasonable for an employer to say, well, let, let's get another opinion because we're not getting any answers from your doctor. But as long as the doctor is clear, and it doesn't take much for the doctor to be clear, that is it. The employer cannot go beyond that. Now, last point I'll make on this, the unpaid suspension. Yeah. Remember, an unpaid suspension, John, is generally something that's illegal. Your employer does not have a right to suspend you without pay. In some situations, they may have a right to suspend you with pay, but they don't have a right to suspend you without pay. The reason for that is that is a constructive dismissal. Unless there's an employment agreement that gives them that right, gives them that power, a suspension without pay is a significant change to the terms of employment. The company stops paying you. That is something that gives the employee the right to a constructive dismissal. And even if you've done something wrong, which in this case doesn't seem like Jordan did, but even if Jordan had done something wrong, that does not mean that the company can suspend them without pay. That may give Jordan the right to treat that as a constructive dismissal. Isn't it quite often the time where where you've maybe done something wrong and they're investigating what you could have done wrong and that's when they don't pay, but that's kind of punishing you before the jury's out, right? right. So <laughs> let's punish you in order to determine if you should be punished. <laughs> right. uh, it it nice. makes no sense, right? Yeah. So it's one thing for the employer to say, well, there's allegations against you. We need to investigate that. While we're doing that, we think it's best for you to be out of the workplace. So we're mm-hmm. going to suspend you with pay. Right. That's not disciplinary. That's just more of an administrative suspension. But to suspend someone without pay, that's disciplinary. So what are you investigating if you've already disciplined the employee? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. So no, a suspension without pay is almost always inappropriate. Deborah, your email is up next. Deborah, Deborah writes in, says, I've been employed for about 19 years with the same chain of stores and have been moved to several different locations across the GTA and Hamilton. When I was terminated, they only gave me three weeks of notice. They said I got three weeks because I spent the last three years at one of our stores in Toronto. (laughs) Is this fair? I've spent almost 20 years working for the business. And this is common. So a company may transfer you, move you from location to location, or even department to department, or even within uh, within uh, to different companies within the same family group of companies. It does not mean that your employment starts new every time you're transferred. Uh, Even if it's, like I said, even if it's a different company, 
Uh, but if you're transferred there, it doesn't really matter to you how the corporate structure is. So she's a 20-year employee. She's not a three-year employee. Now, if she quit and applied for a different job, different. But if she says she's been transferred, she was moved around, all that time counts. So she should be getting severance as a 20-year employee, which could easily be two years of severance, two years pay. Oh. Last point I'll make on this is this. Even if she was a three-year employee, which she's not, but even if she was, she would be owed more than three weeks pay, John. She could easily be owed five, six months pay. Months, not years. Uh, sorry, not, not weeks. So right off the bat, this is a wrongful dismissal. So Deborah should give me a call as soon as possible. I'll help, help her get the severance she should be getting based on her 20 years of service. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca, 1-855-821-5900. We'll get to, uh, to Jennifer here, I think, says... Uh, I've been employed with my employer for 15 years. Last month, my employer asked me if I would uh, like to transfer to a different department and asked me to sign a written employment agreement. I was told that I have to sign the agreement in order to work in the new position and that it is, quote-unquote, standard protocol. I'm concerned about this agreement. No kidding. What are my rights? Well, you should be concerned about yeah. it. And, and your employer is not asking you to sign an agreement because they like to see words on a piece of paper. They're asking you to sign a new agreement because that agreement provides for better terms for the employer. And I, one of the things I bet you anything it does is it limits your future mm -hmm. severance. So first thing you do is you, you send me a copy of it. Let me read it, review it, and tell you what it, what is in it that you should be concerned about? And if I'm wrong, and if there's nothing in there you should be concerned about, I'll be the first to say so. Great, sign it. No problem. Continue working. But if I'm right, and I'm always right about these things, if there is something in there that, that's hugely problematic that's going to cost you a lot of money down the road, well, you have a decision to make. How badly do you want to transfer to this other department? If you really want it that badly, are you willing to forgo tens of thousands of future severance and other things? If you don't, don't sign it. If you really want that job, fine. Remember, you cannot be punished for not signing a new employment agreement. That's not something you can be disciplined for. My advice always, be very concerned. Be very careful. Don't do it. If your employer wants right. you to sign a new agreement, not worth it, John. Can she negotiate if she wants to move the department? She goes, I don't want to sign this thing, but I really like the new gig. Well, you can always try to negotiate. Yeah. Maybe you even make some suggestions. If you delete section 15, I'll do it. I'll nice. sign. So let's talk about that. But if your employer ultimately says, you signed this bad agreement or you can't transfer, it may be better not to transfer rather than give up tens of thousands of dollars of money that otherwise should be owed. Good way to wrap it for uh, for another show. You want to reach out to 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And, of course, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is the way to go for all things concerning this show and including uh, your severance. Check that out as well. Till next time, the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio.